Hey friends, welcome to the Thrive Like a Parent podcast. You know those parents who look like they've got it all together? Yep, that's not me. I'm Dr. Brooke Weinstein, mom, widow, and neuroscience expert on all things sensory and emotional regulation. Yep, that's right. I'm here to get down and dirty on the truth behind parenting, education, burnout, neuroscience, widowhood, and the shit show we call life. So come join me for conversations with thought leaders, doctors, and women just like you who aren't afraid to speak the truth and help you find that silver lining between the to-do lists, shit shows, and chaos of parenthood. If you are craving the answers to finally find that sweet spot between chaos and calm, pull up a seat and listen in as I take you from burnt out and surviving to finally thriving. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Thrive Like a Parent podcast. Today, I'm going to be talking to you about grief and my own story. I have to admit, this is not the first recording trying to discuss my story, and (laughs) I tried to word dump it, like I tried to word vomit it all in one fell swoop of like 30 to 40 minutes. And I had my business manager, Nadia, listen to it. And she was like, "Mm, I love you, but no. And I was like, oh, what? No, come on. Like, let's just be done. Let's just like get it out. And it doesn't work like that. And I'm so freaking bummed. It doesn't work like that. I have gotten to a place through my grief where I'm ready to share. Um, I did not share about specifically, you know, Jonathan's death and that it was, I will still say mental health related um, because both of my children don't know that Jonathan took his own life. And I don't even know if I've said that on my, this podcast till now, but Charlie, my older one knows. And I feel that that allows me to have that comfort of knowing we're, we're getting there. Um, When I told the children that Jonathan had passed, I had to use very black and white words. It was the worst day of my life. And I will forever remember that moment. Um, My mom and sister flew in and I basically told them enough so that they knew that Jonathan's heart had stopped and basically daddy's brain was sick. I did not lie to them, but I did not say everything. And the reason I didn't is because the brain needs time to process. And so they had the information they needed in that moment to start processing that. And I knew that questions would be asked when their brain was ready. And Charlie asked enough questions. And for a while, I kept asking more probing questions. You know, well, what do you think happened to daddy? And Oh, he said, you know, did you tell me everything? And I'd say, well, do you think I told you everything? And he'd say, no. And I said, okay, well, buddy, I'll tell you anything you want to know. What questions do you have? What do you want to know? And I think I was waiting for him to ask, like, did dad kill himself? And I was never going to get that. Like, I, I, like, he wasn't going to. And so I took and gathered all the information. And he was asking other people, too. So I knew it was time. And so Charlie knows, and Charlie knows that we're going to allow his brain to process this, and mommy's going to be there to support his brain through this. 
And that is why we're not going to share that information with Eli yet, because he hasn't asked. And we're going to give your brain time to heal and process through this with mommy. And then when it's time for Eli, you'll be able to support him and you'll know what he's feeling and what he's going through. And so I feel that with Charlie now knowing who is older, I feel a little bit more comfortable sharing what's going on. Now, I will say that my story is not an easy one to tell. I would say my biggest fear is judgment. Judgment literally for my story. I have nothing to hide. I did nothing wrong. I am not to blame. I did not cause this. And I was a really fucking good wife. Like, I don't really know what else to say. <laughs> like, I, I was. I was phenomenal um, looking back at how hard things were. And I'm really proud of how I supported Jonathan and how long I supported Jonathan. And, you know, I tried to do this podcast the other day and I word vomited the whole thing. Like literally you got the full shebang from the moment John laid eyes on me to like today, like no joke. Like it, like you can't do that. Like way too many years, way too much stuff. Like, no. Oh boy. The things I try to do, I'm a gas pedal. I'm just full blown, but I throttle and I know how to step on the brake. Thank you. Sensory regulation. Um, I fear that my story, this is the fear. Okay. You know, those episodes in Grey's Anatomy where you're, you're like, you're so excited. You got a fiance and like the, this cute little couple who, okay, let's say they just got married, right? They just got married and they're so excited. They're going on their honeymoon. Boom. He's in the bed in the hospital room. She's on the outside of the window talking to Dr. McDreamy. And he's just told her that, her husband, her fresh husband, has glioblastoma, which is for, it's unfortunate, but it's a definite, you know, terminal cancer. And she looks at Dr. McStuffy, Dreamy, whatever his name is, and McHottie, what is, anyway, hands the ring to <laughs> Dr. Snuffleupagus and says, I'm out, I'm on to my honeymoon. And that is not what I did. I did not leave Jonathan and cause his death. The big question everyone asks is, were you still married? The answer is yes. Or were you married? Or were you divorced? We were married when Jonathan died. And there has been so much that's happened that because Jonathan and I were in the midst of a divorce, one in which I will share more about, but one in which Jonathan chose Jonathan is the one that chose to get a divorce and that I did not walk away, right? I did not say, here's the ring. I'm headed off to Cabo. I did make lots of shifts and changes within our home because I could not continue drowning the way that I was caretaking for Jonathan and the two boys. And so it's a scary thing to share my story because it took me a while to even honor that word widow for myself. There was lots of fear there of people won't think I'm a true widow or a real widow or like what? Like she was in the midst of the divorce. Like she didn't love him anymore. Like, like no, like, and I didn't want to 
disrespect anyone else who owns that title. And no one wants to own this title. Let me just say that, okay? Like, this is the worst hands-down title to ever be able to claim in the world, okay? But the honor of that title, to me, means I had someone in my life who I loved very much. And I took care of that human the best way I could for over 10 years, And I was his one and only true love because he's gone and he won't ever have another. And I upheld what I feel true love is in a relationship. And Jonathan loved me and I loved him. And our love story and our family is, we were broken, we were separated. But that unit still matters. To me, that unit matters. And legally, I am a widow. Like legally and in terms of the court, like I am. And emotionally, I feel that I am. And so I had to be able to say, I don't really give a shit what people think. I don't care who talks or judges or this or that. Like I get to decide what's right for me. And so the word widow has such immense amount of respect in my eyes because that means that that human who has that title has endured something great and hard and traumatic and sad and lonesome and anger-filled and it's, it's all of the things. And so I wear that word with respect for what it means, but with honor for my family of we loved each other. We loved each other. And that's the most important thing. I look back at our wedding. And if you've ever Googled Brooke and Jonathan Weinstein, I'm not telling you to, please don't go do that. But anyway, Our wedding pictures will show up. I'm sure many people have trying to figure out and snoop what the heck has happened because I haven't really talked about it much or shared very slowly and very little. But at our wedding, there's this incredible picture, like unbelievable picture where Jonathan, okay, okay, I made Jonathan learn a dance. I was like, you can't be a dancer from the age of two and look like shit swaying back and forth on your quote first dance. Like if we really want to get real, I wanted to like whoop it up in a different sparkly dress and like theatricize that whole thing. I don't even know if that's a word. Theatricize, whatever it is, I'm making it up today. But like, I literally wanted to do it up. I was like, look out world. I get my moment. (laughs) No joke. I didn't. There was a, there was a back bend with like a big like swoop of my head and he held like my waist and it was a moment. I probably could have done it bigger and better, but I probably wasn't comfortable enough with myself back then. That's fine. Either way, I got a little bit of a moment. Back to the story. I had this moment, we had this moment at our wedding where my dad got these incredible streamer things and, you know, they said, introducing Brooke and, you know, Jonathan Weinstein or whatever, you know, here they come. So then right into it is our first wedding song, right? You go right to the dance floor. That's how we, I don't know, planned it, right? And we start dancing to the song. And 
all of a sudden, out of thin air, these mylar, like shiny silver and gold streamers come at us from every angle on the ceiling. Like everyone had to like flick them. And it was the most incredible moment probably of my life. Like it was magic, like magic. I have probably, I need to post the, fine, I'll post the picture. Okay, I'll post the picture. That way you don't have to Google me, okay? It's just awkward and weird. For me to tell you to Google, for me to tell you to go Google me. Anyway, nonetheless, let's discuss these streamers coming down. Like 15, 20 minutes before Jonathan and I walked out there, we were practicing our dance. Like he was so upset. Like, okay, so we practiced this dance at home for so long. I He had no rhythm. Let's be real. He like, he had no rhythm. He just didn't. And like, it was like, stomp, clap, stomp, clap, clap, stomp, heel, toe, up and down. Like he, he could, I'm like, dude, like stomp, stomp, stomp. Like I would practice having him keep a beat and learn how to do it. And so hooray, he sees me, right? Walk down the aisle. We get in this little room where in Jewish culture, you have a, a special moment to yourself. You're supposed to consummate the marriage. That is not what we did, but we do have a special moment for ourselves to just like connect and be like, holy shit, we did this. We practiced the dance because he was like, could you have gotten a larger dress? Like, really? Like, what am I supposed to do? I'm walking on, like, I'm walking forward and I'm walking on your dress. And then like, it was getting tucked under my heels. So when he would like walk forward, I would, I would go step, kick, step, kick. And I would kick the train back. It was, it was a freaking nightmare. So while he was like, okay, I think we can do this. I can pull it together. I can do this. Then these streamers come out and like, I did still get my back bend moment, but it's, it was just a magical moment. And I want to be able to share stories with you guys like that. Like I want to be able to share the highs and the lows. I was writing some content to try and get this out. And, you know, one thing leads to another, leads to another, leads to another. And I'm like, no, like they, like they aren't going to understand that. Or like this isn't fully flushed out, you know? Like I wrote a sentence and I said, we weren't welcomed at the funeral. Like we weren't but that's not exactly what happened. No one called me up and said, you can't come. Yeah. So there's like so much conversation that needs to be had around the story. And honestly, at the end of the day, how I've gotten to this place in my life and how I've gotten to this place of happiness and joy and there could be judgment in that too, which is so freaking scary of like, what do you mean? Your husband died a year and a half ago and, and you're telling me you're happy and joyous and like, what? Like, are you allowed to have that in grief? Like, excuse me, are you allowed to be dancing on tables and and doing silly reels and talking about, you know, sensory and emotional regulation and healing people's brain and like you're in the midst of like, grief like that how does that function how does that work like what that doesn't equate you know and the reason the reason that i i feel so compelled to share my story is really my why like why i'm not one to i'm not vulnerability porn like i'm not that like i'm not right 
I don't want to have something happen to me on a Monday night and then write about it and post it Tuesday morning, like something big, you know, I want to be able to process through it and I want to be able to heal it for myself. And I want to be able to make sure that I feel very comfortable sharing my personal life, right? Like sharing that part of my life with so many. And I also feel that there's like this heavy secret and and like it's hanging over me. It's like I I just, like I said, I word vomited the other day. Yeah, like I just want to like, I don't want this to be heavy on me anymore. Like I don't, it's not that I don't want to hold this alone and I can't quite describe it, but I don't want to live without feeling like heard in a way, without feeling, you know, to live in integrity with myself and to live in integrity with my clients and the individuals I work with and for people to trust me. And I mean, I ask my clients to go as deep as they possibly can. We've got to get to the root if you want to heal it. I work with people in like active trauma, clients whose husbands are passing away, currently passing away. Like I help them regulate their nervous system to not live in such a state of chaos. And in order for you to trust me and in order for you to feel like I do believe that Brooke can help. I do believe that she knows what she's talking about. I do believe that I can trust her. I do believe that this is even financially money well spent. Like that's trust is, is everything to me, like everything that's, you know, client over business for me any day, like trust is so huge and and doing the right thing and making sure that I live in integrity with myself and with my children and with my clients and my friends and my family and it's radical honesty and it sucks and it's miserable and sometimes it's so uncomfortable, but that's how I live my life. And because I live my life that way, not talking about this feels so wrong. Like, like I said, like just wanting to feel heard, like not talking about this feels so unauthentic and wrong when it comes to me. And so that's one of my reasons why. And I would say the other reason why is because, huh, I know there's other, I'm going to say men and women out there who have, who are currently, not who have, but who are currently struggling and maybe in a similar position or journey that I have been in. And at the end of the day, I have like chills while I'm saying this because it's very scary to admit this. But at the end of the day, my story is one of strength, courage, and resilience to choose myself and my children. And as I say that, it's like there's such fear of like, oh, so you chose yourself over another. Like, like, okay, you're to blame. Like, no, no, I didn't give up on Jonathan. I never gave up on him, like ever. I love Jonathan and I do believe he's at peace. And I want others to know that despite me hoping and longing and wanting for this to have such a happy ending and it, I can't, like I can't say enough. Like if I, if I could have done it, I would have. Like I would have done anything and everything to help Jonathan get better. Like anything and everything. And I, I feel that I did. Like I, I exhausted every single option. That's probably why I know so much about the goddamn brain. Like I, I, like I, I, I wanted him here with us. Like, this isn't easy. This is fucking hard. It's really hard to be the breadwinner and the caregiver. It's really hard to be the boundary enforcer and the emotional lover. Like, this is fucking hard. It's not easy to do a two-person job on your own. 
but I want the human mom, dad, like I, I want that person to know that you are so fucking worthy. Like I woke up every day and I kept saying like, is this it? Like, is this my life? Like, is like, what? Like, this is not first comes love, then comes marriage, then comes baby in the baby carriage with a white picket fence. And like, I don't know, Truman's show style, which by the way, I love Seaside. That's where the movie was <laughs> produced anyway. But no joke, like, I'm not telling my story to be like, you're strong, leave, like, get out. Like, that's not what this is about. And again, that's why I fear that Grey's Anatomy, like, metaphor or, or scene, because that's not what this was. But I do believe in my strength, and I do believe in my courage, and I do believe in my resiliency, and I'm so fucking proud of it. And I'm kind of quite like, holy shit, I can't believe that. Like, I can't believe what I endured. I can't believe what I went through. I can't believe he's gone. I can't believe I'm okay. I can't believe we are okay. I can't believe I'm healthy and doing well. And like, I practice what I preach. I'm doing okay. Like, I'm doing well. Has this been hard? Like, yeah. Have I shared with you the moments where I'm crying in the bathroom on the floor? Like, no, uh, no thanks. Like, I'll keep that to myself. Like, that's for me, you know? That's my own anger. That's my own sadness. That's my own grief and mourning. I'll share with you stories, but we don't need to go to the bathroom and hold hands. You know, that kind of thing, you know? <laughs> Just kidding. But all to say, I I want the human who goes to bed at night worrying that their partner is going to hurt themselves and wondering how much longer they can go on like this. And the partner, the person who loves their partner to death and wants to spend the world with them and is trying and trying and trying and trying and trying and doing anything and everything to help and this and that, like, and just completely self-neglecting themselves. And I'm not wanting that person to listen to this, to, like I said, to run, but I am wanting this person to find a little sliver for themselves. And my story is one of love and happiness, manipulation, emotional abuse, strength, courage, trauma, naive, young girl. But it's okay. It's okay that it's all of those things because what I've learned through that and how much I've grown through all of that is unfathomable, right? Like when I was in the hospital and on bed rest and so afraid of going into labor, I would look at my doctor and ask all these questions. And he kept saying, I cannot give you a crystal ball. Like I can't. And I had no idea I'd be where I am. I had no idea I'd be okay. But I want the humans who hear the story to know no matter what you're going through, whether your partner has terminal cancer or you are afraid of stepping away from a marriage that you're unhappy in and maybe you are afraid that you can do this all on your own or you just want to hear support of another human who has struggled and made it through, no matter if that struggle is small or large. I'm doing pretty damn good. <laughs> crazy, like super crazy, but I'm going to own it because the lows are really hard too. 
And so if I'm feeling good and I'm feeling like a win and overall I feel like we're making it, I'm going to celebrate that and I'm going to praise that for myself, not just for my brain patterning, but because it feels good to say it out loud. And so while I probably continue saying in certain podcasts, we'll talk about that more later, we'll talk about that more later, just know that it's coming. Know that I'm taking this day by day and step by step and the want is there. Like it's busting out of me. Like I I want to talk about all the different things, but there's so many different layers and so many different fears And I'm going to navigate those, right? Those are for me to take care of on my own and to make sure that I feel secure and comfortable within myself and I'm ready before taking that next step and leap of, like I said, from the moment we locked eyes till today, (laughs) that cannot be done in 30 to 40 minutes. And for any of you who are still listening, who have done the whole 30 minutes at this point, I want to thank you for being here. And I want to thank you for supporting me and trusting me enough to take 30 minutes out of your life. We are stretched so incredibly thin and we have so much on our plates and we're trying so hard and we're doing so much. And the fact that you would give me 30 minutes of your time to listen to me and my story. And it's something that I have a very hard time of soaking in and grasping. I have a very hard time being like, oh, there's a number. Oh, gosh. Okay. Like I do, right? Because it's all virtual. I don't get to see many of you in person. And I cannot thank you enough for just being here and trusting me. That is probably the biggest thing is caring enough and and in a way supporting me and wanting to listen and finding value in my story and honoring my story, right? Fingers crossed, not judging my story. And all in between me releasing that judgment that I fear from others, right? I still have my autonomy of knowing if I say something the wrong way or if I explain it not the best or if I word vomit it and it and it's like, huh? Like that was like a drive-by. Like what the heck was that, you know? That I'm doing my best and it's all with good intentions. And I, besides my thanks in you for listening and trusting me, I want you to know that I'm a typical human, like just like you, just like you. Someone came up to me in at Seaside actually this summer and she was like, excuse me. And I like didn't hear. And then she's like, excuse me. And I like turned around and she was like, are you that girl that like sensory regulation or dysregular some high flight thing? And I was like, actually I am. And she was like, oh my gosh, like, oh my gosh. And she was like, I just don't know if anyone ever wants us to say anything or if people feel like being bothered. I don't know what she was talking about. I'm not bothered. Like, I don't, I don't, like, I got, like, 
last time I checked, I wasn't like Gloria Estefan or like Michael Jackson here. You know, like, yeah, <laughs> like I'm not Britney Spears. <gasps> People don't know me like that, you know? And it's odd. Like, I'm perplexed too. I'm like, I can't believe someone in real life knows who I am and can like point me out. That's so odd. Like, I'm just a human. I snap at my kids. I get frustrated. I emotionally eat at night sometimes. <laughs> I I don't know. Like, I, I like going to bathrooms without my children knocking on the door. Like, majority of the examples I give you are probably ones that have happened in my home. My dog sits in here all day long and farts. You know, like, like I'm just a typical human and I've been through a hell of a lot, unfortunately, but maybe fortunately, because you get to hear all the do's and don'ts, right? Like, let me handle it and then you can do differently than me, right? Like, it is what it is. And I, I really want you to know, like, I'm, I'm just like you. I'm just like you. I have the same fears. I have the same doubts. You know, I've done a ton of rewiring and work on my brain. I'm literally thinking in every moment, how do I feel? Where do I feel at my body? What do I need and how to go get it? Because that is what I do for a living. I track humans' sensory system. It's my job to understand if you're in fight or flight or rest and digest. It just simply is. And if you are in fight or flight, it's my job to help get you back down to rest and digest as fast as possible so that your brain can continue to pattern that way, right? Like that's just who I am. I'm going to always be like that. But I am just like you. And I hope you feel that. I hope you can feel my humanity in this and my want for you to know that I'm just another mom. I'm just another mom who has such a want and a desire to help other parents. And it's not just moms. And that's why I called this podcast Thrive Like a Parent, because dads need support too. And if anyone knows that, it's me. And I want all dads to know that they matter. And I'm here for all of it. And it's okay to be here <laughs> and show up for you. And I want you here. Except for when you flirt in my DMs. That's just nasty. Like, no thanks. Like a dude yesterday. No, maybe a few days ago. It's kind of funny. He said something. And we never, like, we want to be kind. So I always say, you know, thank you. And then all of a sudden, just by saying thank you, it's like, well, how was your day? And I was like, mm, I didn't tell you I wanted to like chat it up. Like, no, like, mm -mm. and then he was like, listen to this music and tell me what you think. And I was like, now we're flirting. Like, let's not do that, you know? But dads, I want you here. I want you here. You matter so much. And it's important that you take in everything I'm saying because a brain is a brain is a brain is a brain. So thank you for listening today. This felt good, I have to say. My word vomit was quite different. This felt really good. And so you get to hear this one <laughs> and many, many more. And I hope I make you laugh. I hope I make you and help you dig deep within yourself. I hope every now and then you cry. It's very regulating. And so, until next time, XOXO Dr. B.